So here we are, one day after the recall election of, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, and basically it was a it was a battle between Ga- Gavin Newsom and Larry Elder. There were others who were fighting for the spot, but Larry Elder was the real uh, contender on the Republican side. And even Gavin Newsom acknowledged that. He said, look, if you recall me, you'll get Larry Elder, and uh, he's a white supremacist. And never mind that he's black. Yeah, ignore that, please. But he's, uh, he's a white supremacist all the same, and he'll be uh, just a clone of Trump and so forth. So it's interesting because there's so many things to, to think about that. He, uh, he, Larry Elder, and the recall lost, uh, sadly, by a lot. Now, on the other hand, I don't know... I just don't know. And here's the problem, Ari. Uh, Fraud. I, I, I'm not clear that this was not entirely fraudulent, right? Um, I, think, I think fraud definitely had a hand in this. There's uh, more than a few people that have reported that they uh, went to the voting booth only to be told that they had already voted, right? Uh, so whether they're telling the truth or not, okay, we don't know. But and whether that's just anecdotal, like a handful of these people who were told that, and there was a true, honest mistake, we don't know. Or if the Dominion machines that are in use here in California are fractionalizing votes, where every Democrat vote is worth more than one and every Republican vote is worth less than one, that would explain these numbers. Because I don't understand. I, I, I thought there was a very good chance that Newsom would win, you know, and stay in office, of course. But... By these kind of numbers, with this kind of misery and anger in the state, no, not by six. Yeah, so I, I I think that that's a good point. Um, I do not think. See, I don't I don't believe those numbers. I I think it could be fifty two forty eight. You know, Gavin Newsom, you know, defeating recall fifty two to forty eight. Okay, I could buy that. Uh, but with the number of people who had, in fact petition for the recall being Democrats. I mean, it was a huge number of the the petitioners being Democrats themselves. This was not, repeat, not uh, a Republican effort. So uh, as they as they love to say, a bipartisan petition to recall, not a, uh, you know, partisan one. So it's very suspicious to me. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like even saying this because uh, everyone wants to think that the people have spoken and, uh, you know, plus or minus 10 being, you know, miscounted or whatever, that's fine, I get it. But this is serious stuff. When you're talking about mail-in ballots and all the mischief that can be done to effectuate a massive fraud, um, and it's so easy to do, it is so easy, like, like Ari pointed out, with the fractional accounting, uh, for those of you who don't know, fractional accounting basically means that you know, if you vote for, let's say, the, in this case, uh, for the recall, Every, um, it, you know, that gets, uh, you know, 0.4 of a vote as opposed to a uh, vote for defeating the recall, which gets one point, you know, two uh, votes. So it, it kind of weighs every vote, you know, in a way that's favorable to whoever you want to be favorable to. And that's that, that's concern I have. I think it's a very legitimate concern. And it's too easy to, to make this mischief. We, we know that there's all sorts of problems afoot when it comes to the election. We know, and this goes back to Biden and the election of 2020, I'm convinced that there was massive fraud in the 2020 election. Uh, not because, not only because there are all sorts of anecdotal stories of, you know, ballot dumps, uh, but also because of the sudden stop in the voting in, in November 3rd 
uh, the counting, rather, of the votes in on November 3rd states, in multiple states, time. all at the same time, uh, following a signal, I believe, from Georgia saying, oh, we have a, uh, a pipe burst, and so we got to stop everything. Well, somehow that pipe burst affected, uh, you know, at least four other states. You know, I, you know I, <laughs> that was a massive pipe burst, I'll tell you that. You know, that, that's the one thing I, I just don't understand. But putting that aside, I don't even believe that's not even sufficient. I, I'm saying that the, the noise from the anomalies is so palpable. It's the first time in American history that 19 or so anomalies happened at the same time. I don't know if it's 19. It could be 18. It could be 20. But as so many of these anomalies happened, among which were that the Republican won Ohio, Florida, uh, and Iowa, and still somehow lost the election. Uh, among other things, uh, that the Republican won 10 million more votes and still somehow lost the election. 10 million more votes from the previous From the previous time that he won the election uh, in 2016. Um, that's just two of so many other examples. So, you know, I'm a man of statistics. I'm a man of probabilities. And when I see something that's very fishy, you know, I, I have to point it out. And if this were a crime scene, um, you know, to use an example of O.J. Simpson, because everyone knows what happened with the O.J. Simpson killings, uh, it's, it's to me the same thing as saying, well, that Ron Goldman and Nicole Simpson, you know, accidentally fell on their knives, uh, uh, the same knife for that matter, and their heads got lopped off the same way. Um, you know, that's, that's, that explains what happened. And we're all supposed to accept that, right? Yeah, they happened to jump into a gigantic food processor at the exact same time, at the exact same street in Brentwood, a few blocks from here. It was very interesting how that was just <laughs> right. perfectly anomalous. Right. And then, to, and then you would also have to ignore the, uh, the way that, that O.J. Simpson, you know, drove away in the, uh, the slow-speed chase, as they called it, right, in the white Bronco and, and everything else. All, all the crazy things associated with that. You would have to believe a, a utter nonsense in order to accept it. And yet, when it comes to the election of 2020, uh, you just have to shut up and sit down and accept these results. And, you, and you're a crazy person. Crazy, if you think otherwise. So I, I, I'm not going to be quiet about this particular thing. Anyway, uh, the, the, the subject of today is more about Joe Biden. And, you know, it's the... Um, you, you ever see the movie Gladiator? Yeah. Okay. Of course. It's one of my it's it's one of my favorite movies. I love it. Um, just the action scenes are awesome and so forth. And Russell Crowe plays a great uh, role there. But one of the things that I, I'm always fascinated about is the role of the uh, emperor, the young emperor played by uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the young guy. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I, and he did a, a brilliant job, by the way. But anyway, he you know he usurps the 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 crown as it were and. He knows that he's stolen it. He's killed his father to do so. And now all of a sudden, um, he's, he's illegitimately on the throne. And he acts, this is the point, he acts like somebody who is illegitimate. You see, the truth always seems to come out, not necessarily in deed or words, but in the way you comport yourself. Right? Don't, don't you think that? So... In other words, he has to double down on his authority. And that's what you see in the Joaquin Phoenix character, the emperor who has killed his father. And his father had wanted to return the empire to a republic, uh, just as it had been before Caesar. And wouldn't that be better? 
uh, and Joaquin Phoenix, his son, who was a ne'er-do-well, uh, decides to kill his father and become the emperor. And throughout the rest of the movie, you could see he's an illegitimate leader throughout, and he acts like one, right? And he always has to double down. And by the way, this is uh, very similar to uh, the storyline of my brother's great movie, uh, The Last Castle, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, where Robert Redford plays a general who's um, convicted of, of uh, wrongful conduct and military uh, engagement. And he gets sent to a military prison, and the warden is played by James Gandolfini, a great, uh, and he's also a great role there. And Gandolfini, who is no real leader, um, wants to kind of throw his power around and wants to show his stuff, and he makes very bad decisions. So you can see where I'm going with this. Joe Biden is an illegitimate leader. That's why I call him consistently uh, President Asterix, right? And President Asterix, he is now acting like the Joaquin Phoenix character in the, uh, the Gladiator movie, right? Where he wants everyone to listen to him and they will have to do what he says them to do. He's the president, damn it, right? So same thing, uh, look, look what he's doing with the vaccine uh, issue, right? Uh, you will have to do this. And he tells people, show some respect, and he's uh, issuing executive orders upon executive orders. Yeah, how dare you criticize me? How dare you say that the election was stolen? How dare you, uh, you know, question my authority, leadership, or, or um, senility at all? Right. And he shuts down any talk of uh, the fact that the, the, the January 6th so-called insurrection, which I call at best the great trespass. Or a peaceful, mostly peaceful protest. Yeah. Okay. So um, he, he says, you know, he wants to build the narrative on that to say that uh, these are people who were trying to overthrow the, the government um, beyond what they were actually doing, which is simply complaining about the election and wanted to have the, the votes actually counted. Uh, so... And, and then, of course, not just the vaccine, but also Afghanistan, the way he handled that. The, the righteous uh, indignation with which he decided to pull out of Afghanistan without any consideration of how to pull out of Afghanistan. And then the backtracking and the, the games that he's played about how, uh, when Blinken, and for that matter, um, uh, Biden himself, called this an extraordinary success. Right. This is not what a real leader does. If he were truly legitimately uh, elected, he would be able to say, look, um, you've you've elected me to be your uh, president and uh, I have made a mistake here. Uh, we could have handled this much better. At least at the very least, he could have said we could have handled handled this much better. We're looking into what we could do. Um, and uh, but the buck, the buck stops with me. OK, I would respect that. I wouldn't like it, but I would respect it. But instead, he calls it an extraordinary success. This is consistent with what an illegitimate leader would do, right? This is what Ceausescu did. This is what uh, Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un does right now. This is what every despot has done, is to double down on their authority and demand uh, complete obedience from his subjects. That's the way it works. Which leads to a point that Ari and I both believe, but Ari articulated better than me just now, which is this, that the more flimsy a policy is, the more oppressive the regime is to enforce that flimsy policy. That's the way it works. And, and so it is with the mask mandate. So it is with the vaccine purported mandates. Um, when there are real questions about this vaccine, 
I mean, we, we know for a fact that the masks don't work. We, we know that, right? Uh, there are a couple of people who said, even some of, some of our own uh, conservative colleagues say, well, the masks might do something because they, they somehow, they, they bind to the mask or whatever it is. But I, I, it's garbage. Uh, we all know it, does, it doesn't it's work. It's theater, pure. Yeah, it's pure theater. Yeah. So uh, we know that because uh, people are getting... The, the COVID virus, regardless of whether they wear the mask, there's no scene, there's no rhyme or reason to people acquiring uh, the the virus, except for those with comorbidities uh, who are especially vulnerable to it. And look, my heart goes out to them. I'm not trying to blame them. Uh, but if you have diabetes, if you are extremely obese, if you have a heart condition, if you have this or that, uh, you're more likely to acquire. Uh, the disease of COVID and uh, more likely to be hospitalized and sadly more hospitalized and uh, more likely to die. But masks have nothing to do with it. Uh, it makes you feel good. It may, it, it may be like a statement if you want to consider it that, like I support, you know, the fight against COVID. Okay, fine. Uh, but, but just wear a t-shirt in that, in that case, if that's what you believe. Okay. We're, we're, we're jiggy with that, right? Let's, uh, let's uh, celebrate our frontline workers. Okay. Got it. Okay. But don't make me wear a friggin' mask. Okay. That's one thing. And then, then the vaccines, of course. Now, you know, the, these people, Biden especially, and even Kamala Harris, had said that if um, Trump is, is touting this vaccine, they ain't going to take this vaccine, right? They're the great protesters. They're the, the civil rights guys. They're the ones refusing to sit in the back of the bus all of a sudden, right? But when they uh, assume the, uh, the White House, suddenly, you know, they're demanding everyone uh, and mandating everyone to take this very same vaccine that Trump had allowed uh, to come into the into the equation, uh, and that, that you have to take it. And not only that, but this is a an epidemic of the unvaccinated, to use uh, President Asterix's uh, quote, uh, his own phraseology. So it's weird. Everything about it, like like what Ari and I have been saying, is says the more flimsy the policy, the more oppressive they are about it. In many ways. Um, it's like a virus itself, right? Isn't it? And, and analog, analogously, the more flimsy, i.e., unethical, unethical, or effective the and more dangerous the unefficacious or uh, dangerous the vaccine is, the more you have to demand people take it and give them orders. The less discretion you have to allow them to make an informed decision about all the factors regarding it. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that, that is exactly right. And when it comes to the virus analogy, I want to make that analogy to kind of complete, complete the circle here. As we know, the more weak the virus is, the more deadly it is. Okay? That meaning by weak, you mean the harder it has a time of spreading from person to person. Right. The easier it spreads, the more people infects, the more non-lethal it is. Correct. So to use the two um, polar extreme examples, uh, there is the cold virus, which is an extremely contagious and very strong disease, uh, strong in the sense of it's easy to spread. Okay, so it's a very, but it does, it does not kill you. A cold typically does not kill you. Now, it does kill some people, but only in the sense that it pushes them over the edge from a very frail body in the, in the first place. So if somebody's already dying of, uh, you, know, you know, he's on a ventilator and everything else, and he's, uh, you know, 99 years old, and he gets a cold, yes, then that extra push can, can push him over the edge to death. Uh, but it doesn't, it, the cold itself doesn't, is not deadly. Um, so it's a very strong, very hardy virus, if you want to call it that, 
that has no interest in actually killing you. By contrast, the AIDS virus, right, or HIV, that is a deadly virus, right? But it's almost impossible to spread other than through sexual, you know, and a certain kind of sexual activity. Uh, or needles, of course, but you get the idea. A certain it, kind of blood-to-blood activity, let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It doesn't right. spread in the air. It does not spread. It's not airborne. And for that reason, uh, you know, we, we may have uh, some people who, are, who have AIDS and we get to hug them and we don't have to worry about it, not for a second. We don't lose sleep over, oh, I just hugged a, you know HIV-infected person. Am I going to die? No one, no one says that, right? Uh, and, and that being the case, it, it's because... You know, it, it, once it has you, then it grabs you. So it's, it's actually a weak virus, the HIV. It's not the hardy virus like the cold is. And so to make my analogy complete, uh, this policy, this vaccine policy, which is a weak policy, is a deadly policy. Okay, it's, it, it's not only deadly to the human body and dangerous to take this vaccine for some people. I mean, it has a lot of risk associated with it. Um, but it's also very destructive from a standpoint of the economy, right? And when, when you're telling people, uh, and to, to our freedoms for that matter, when you're telling people that they have to take this or risk losing their job uh, or in, bad, in a bad situation, that is deadly, so to speak, to society at large. And it's happening. It's happening all around us. Uh, and then they talk about uh, freedom. And Arnold Schwarzenegger famously now saying, you know, to hell with your freedom, Right, uh, this is much more dangerous. As if Ari, as if freedom is some sort of luxury, right? COVID first, and then we can you know play with your cute little ideas of freedom. You know? Let, <laughs> so I, I would say abundance of caution first, because that seems to be the standard. We're going to be abundantly cautious as our first core mission, and forget that freedom is the very reason this country exists. Freedom is now way down the list. Yeah. It was something, um, you know, I've been talking about, uh, I think, on this podcast and other places, which was the disconcerting perception that freedom seemed to be, and, and I mean just freedom unmodified un, uh, uh, by, a, by a, a term in front of it like social justice freedom or, you know, economic freedom or any other type of freedom. Freedom, period, seemed to be something that was falling out of style in how... Uh, in a term of art that was being used by our leaders. Because it used to be that was the first thing anyone running for office said. I'm running to keep freedom free. America, the land of the free, home of the free, brave, free, free. Now, abundance of caution. We're the land of the abundantly cautious. Right. I I think that's correct. And the way they look at it, I mean, the the attitude toward freedom is like... You know how difficult it is to get a building permit now in Santa Monica or most of Los Angeles, but especially Santa Monica, right? If you want to build anything, good luck, right? They may give it to you a few years down the line. And that's the way I think that they treat freedom. Yeah, we'll give it to you so long as you sign this document, engage in this policy, agree to that policy. Uh, and then at some point, we'll consider giving you your freedom. Yeah, there's all this talk of if fill in the blank, there'll be a return to normal. Or there can be a return to normal. Or we want to return to normal. I, I think we talked about right away on, on this podcast and on your, you talked about on your radio show that the second anyone in a leadership position leaves some sort of standard in place that says that only if you do this do you return to normal, that means that normal is gone. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, and normal is gone because when they say, when, when can we return back to normal? Like we're asking our government betters and superiors, please, when can you give us our lives back? Forgetting that the government is not there to decide when we have our lives. And, and of course, where does it stop? If you are going to uh, consistently um, argue that some things are more important than freedom, then why not, you know, today it's COVID, right, in response to COVID. Why not tomorrow for climate change? Why not, why not uh, argue uh, that everyone has to, uh, I don't know, you can effectuate something in, in the workplace uh, in exchange for, you know, your freedom. So do this, and then one day I'll consider your freedom. Do that, and one day I'll consider your freedom. Uh, and so on down the line. It's, it's, it's something has switched, uh, Ari. I, I think that freedom has taken a back burner. And that's why we call this podcast Freedom Has Taken a Back Burner. Um, because if that's the case, then, then, then you can always say, you know, your freedom comes with a caveat. That's, this is the first time in American history that freedom is somehow conditioned. We've never had this before. Not once did we have, I mean, you can say the, the, uh, the suspension of habeas corpus, right, during the Civil War. And even that was considered a wrong move on the part of Lincoln. Uh, but no, no, we, we, why, why uh, there, there, it wasn't right then and it's not right now. So if you can do it for a virus, then why not do it for anything else? Or, uh, I would say your wording should be even more specific. Um, if you can do it for a crisis then why can't you just create any crisis to do what you want in the future? The other thing is it's, there's a, been a very interesting slip on the goalposts of this one, which is, it, and this is a literal thing that's happened the last few weeks, which has gone from if you take this thing, we then can return to normal, which was bad enough, to now if they take this, you can return to normal to create the ultimate form of Maoist Marxist class warfare division between the medically equipped here against the medically unequipped there. It's Imagine if the government had come out, and let's just say it was a um, handmaid's tale kind of pro-life society that said, anyone who gets an abortion is killing your baby. Yeah. Not their baby, your baby. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, it's a very subtle sinister slip of the goalposts on that one that no one has called out, except us here on the Broccoli Podcast. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, exactly right. So, in fact, I want to play this clip from, the, uh, from, from Biden himself because it, it, it underscores exactly what Ari and I have been saying. Other modes of transportation. Today, tonight, I'm announcing that the Transportation Safety Administration, the TSA, will double the fines on travelers that refuse to mask. If you break the rules, be prepared to pay. And by the way, show some respect. The anger you see on television toward flight attendants and others doing their job is wrong. It's yeah, anyway, so you get the idea there. I want to play also another very similar clip, showing, showing the arrogance, the demanding tone of this man. Um, let's play another one. It's about uh, how it's about, uh, what was it, uh, showing patience? Yeah, he's, he's running impatient. Okay. Yeah, our patience is growing. 
raise our vaccination rate, protect ourselves and others with masking, expanded testing, and identify people who are infected. Okay, so listen, listen to that, right? Identify people who've been infected. Uh, you know, lack of freedom, much, right? I mean, uh, dictatorship, much. This is what's happening in Australia. So the idea of uh, now kind of tracing everyone and watching where they're going and such, uh, you know, wh- why not? This is all in the name of protecting people. This is the beginning, right? This is how, this is just the beginning of his speech. And he's now saying, if, if we just do this, then everything will be great. And of course, it begs the question, at what point will you be satisfied, Mr. Uh, Mr. President? Yeah, if just one child We can and we will turn the tide on COVID-19. It'll take a lot of hard work. It's going to take some time. Many of us are frustrated with the nearly 80 million Americans who are still not vaccinated. Yeah, so listen to how he speaks, right? So now he's alienating. Talk about uh, polarity, right? You know, those damn unvaccinated people, we're so frustrated with them. And the vaccinated, or at least the, the lefties who support the vaccinated, uh, you know, the vaccination, they think that that's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, they're, that's, they're doing God's work somehow, the God that they don't believe in. Uh, so they're all nodding their heads along. Yeah, those damn unvaccinated, right? That's exactly the attitude he wants to create. This is from the president who claims that he wants unity. But anyway, we'll we'll continue on. Even though the vaccine is safe, effective and free. Okay, so that's another big, uh, you know, uh, assumption that the that the vaccine is safe, effective and free. First of all, it's not free. You know, I I just checked it out. You you know, if you get insurance, that probably is mostly free and fine, but it's not free. And and please don't tell me it's free regardless, because that is definitely coming from our taxpayer dollars. So there's no such thing as a free lunch. Safe and effective is the next thing. Let's go backwards. It's not effective. We know now that people who are vaccinated are getting COVID right and left. Hang on. You know, it's it's not it's it's not good uh, if it's not doing the job. If you get the mumps vaccine or the measles vaccine or the smallpox vaccine, guess what? You are not going to get mumps, measles or smallpox. It's not going to happen. But somehow you get the so-called vaccine for COVID. uh, You can very easily get the uh, the covid uh, virus uh, the china virus as as we like to pref- prefer to call it that's the likely scenario you are not at all protected so and this is why they now say you know you got to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated i, I don't get that where where's the math where's the, where's the logic in that uh, explain that to me lucy right i don't understand how you could possibly say that if you are vaccinated that means that you shouldn't have to worry about the virus and the virus coming from people who are ostensibly not vaccinated, right? So you shouldn't have to worry about, about them. And, you know, arguably, they shouldn't have to worry about you. You're not spreading it and you're not receiving it. But this is a special kind of vaccine, Ari, one where you can still get it. So what is it? It's symbolic, just like the mask is symbolic, right? Anyway, it's, I'm getting frustrated here, but let me continue on with the next part of the, uh, of the clip. While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, we read about and hear about and we see the stories of hospitalized people, people on their deathbeds among the unvaccinated over the past few weeks. Okay, so this goes to the last point that he made, that it's safe, right? Uh, No, 
we, we know that it's not necessarily safe. Uh, they, they, he just says it's safe, and, but we now have more than just a few anecdotes of people uh, having very serious responses and adverse reactions. The VARES system says, I don't know, you probably know the numbers, there are a lot of people who have died very quickly after the, the vaccination. 14,000 or more, and over... 3,000 since July, which is like six weeks. Yeah. No vaccine in the history of vaccines has killed so many people so quickly. Right. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a shocking number. Any product on the market that's killed that many people that fast would be subject to some of the biggest class action wrongful death lawsuits possible in industry. Now, in fairness to them, they could argue, well, look, well, look, 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 look. That's a, that's a correlation, not necessarily causation, because, uh, you know, you're, you're pointing to somebody who died uh, shortly after getting the vaccine, but that doesn't mean that he got it because of the vaccine. And that's an argument that I can understand. The problem is that that would have to also apply with other vaccines, too. If you get the smallpox vaccine and you die shortly after that, uh, and that's consistent, the same numbers, then, yeah, then you would have a good argument. But that's not the case. If you take the smallpox vaccine, uh, you, you do not die from it. You don't have this uh, quick response death, uh, nor the uh, massive responses, uh, you know, so the, the adverse reactions that we're seeing, in some case paralysis, in some case uh, loss of limbs. Uh, this, is, this is not good stuff, uh, to say nothing of the incredibly wild reactions, uh, even if you have no subsequent adverse reactions. My wife, who uh, did take the, I think, the Moderna vaccine, uh, she had such a bad reaction to it. She was down for the count for two full days. Uh, she's perfectly healthy now. I mean, it, it appears. Uh, she certainly didn't die from it. She didn't have uh, any sort of paralysis or anything else. I want to make that clear. But boy, was that terrifying to watch her go through that. Um, and it really made me, I mean, just seeing that alone, forget about adverse reactions. Forget about the risk of, of dying. Forget about the risk of uh, paralysis or anything else. I, I just don't want to go through that. Uh, that was terrifying. I love my wife, but to see her with the shakes that she had, it was, uh, I'll never forget it. Anyway, I don't see how this is all safe. Yeah, and he can't say it, uh, you know, with the same sort of certainty that he could for the smallpox vaccine or uh, the other vaccines I just mentioned. He's just wrong about this. And to just pass cavalierly about the adverse reactions is, uh, to my mind, uh, irresponsible. You have to accept the, the realities. And, and let me make a point about adverse reactions of vaccines within the normal range. I took the shingles vaccine a couple of years ago because uh, one thing I've never had the pleasure of having is, is chicken pox or anything like that. And I've been vaccinated for chicken pox as an adult, of course. Um, but when the doctor said there could be some adverse reactions, I said, what? He said, soreness near the vaccination site. And he gave me the vaccine. There was a, a fristocinib booster, similar to you know what we're told now with these. And sure enough, there was minor soreness at the vaccination site, and that was it. Right. None of this, I'm down for the count for two days. Because for those two days, you think you're dying. Okay, and by the way, I have a friend from high school who died from the Moderna vaccine. Six days after he took it, had a heart attack, died. I, another friend who's uh, uh, my age took the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, one of those, and had reported the same thing that happened to your wife, meaning he was so sick he didn't even take the booster. It's swore he'd never take anything else. So the point is, none of those are in the VAERS system. So the numbers are probably in the millions of the actual adverse reactions that are quite serious. 
It's, it's bad stuff. And look, to be fair, to be specific about it, I mean, you do your own conclusion, but six days after taking the vaccine and you die, if that's what happened to your friend, and I'm so sorry about that, Ari, uh, then, you know, I, 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 that's a very strong correlation. And yes, you're right. It does not prove causation. Maybe he would have died anyway. It's possible. Uh, but uh, it raises an eyebrow. Let's put it that way. Maybe even two eyebrows, right? Uh, in Ari's case, three eyebrows. The point is uh, that we really need to be concerned about these correlations. Let's continue on with the, uh, the clip because it's, it's so dishonest about this and it's so polarizing at the same time. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You know, you, he just loves that phrase. Liar. He just, but he loves it. He loves it. He, I think either he came up with it himself uh, or somebody gave it to him and he just ran with it because he thought it would be so tasty and delicious to, to send out to the, to the population at large. And so he, he said this before. I, I've heard this many times now. The epidemic of the unvaccinated. And that, so in other words, there they are. Get them, you know, <laughs> jump on them, kill them, put them in a concentration camp. Right? He doesn't even realize how Nazi-like he sounds. He has no idea. But it is Nazi-like. All right, let's continue on. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, or overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. You see, we're not only we're, oh no, we're not only irresponsible, we're, right? But we're also causing other people to die. You Hold see, on. wait, wait, wait. We are killers. The un, the unvaccinated, are monsters, and I want you to go get them. Yeah. The modern Jew spreads filth, disease, and dislocation amongst the German fatherland. They must be ghettoized and isolated from the fatherland's people. The Aryan race must be kept pure from the, the filth of the Jew. It literally is that. Okay, I mean, so, so I, dare, I dare you, my, my dear listener who disagrees with us, I dare you to take Ari's challenge and split it apart and somehow refute what he just said. Because it's exactly what the Germans did say that the Jews and the other so-called undesirables of Germany, uh, including gays and uh, gypsies the and the retarded and so on, they're polluting the Aryan race. Go get them. Tell me how it's any different. Okay, now he's not actually telling us we should go into concentration camps. Yes. But, yes, but yes they're exactly right. Hold on. Uh, yet, you know, when, when uh, and, and they'll do it bit by bit. This is the way dictatorships work, right? They do little slightly more aggressive procedures every week, every month, as the case may be. It's exactly what the Nazis did. Exactly what they did. Now, uh, if you can't see that, I mean, look, the, uh, I'm not saying, you know, right now that they're throwing anyone to concentration camps. I'm not saying that they're looking to throw them into crema crematoriums and such like that. I'm not saying that, right? I'm saying that it's going to get more onerous at the very least, Okay, uh, so look, we're seeing that in Australia right now. And what's so sad about this is so what's so bizarre about this is that it was only a couple of months ago that it seemed like the whole COVID uh, shutdown was being lifted and everyone was taking off their masks. In some states that had mask mandates, they were relaxing it completely where you no longer had to have, have any masks. Nevada, for example, was one, one uh, such state. And now they're coming back to it. And now they're being even more aggressive than they were before. So, 
Uh, they've tested this out. They've gone up and down. And uh, a friend of mine described it very well. He, he called it the, um, the boa constrictor phenomenon, right? That's, this is what boa constrictors do. They, they grab a hold of you. They constrict you. And then they release a little bit, but only just before they constrict you harder. And so on and so on. So it's constrict, release a little bit from where you were, constrict yet again, more and more, until you are fully suffocated. That's the way it works. And I take issue with you because, you know, you do something conservatives always do, which is the I'm not saying statement. F that, we're at war, I could say that now, okay? Because we've been at war and we are at war. Same rules apply. What about the January 6th protesters? They've been gulagized. There's plans on the CDC website for camps. Okay? The only thing keeping us from being Australia, i.e. North Korea right now, is the Second Amendment. It's the only thing. They're now talking seriously that Fauci is floating out uh, pass- vaccine passports for air travel or crossing interstate lines. Yeah. So they're talking about the next constriction, and it is the gulagizing of people beyond just the January 6th protesters, many of whom are sitting in, in solitary confinement for misdemeanor trespassing charges. Okay, so what I was... Okay, so look, we actually agree more than you think because what I said that, we, that I'm not saying is that they're throwing us into crematoriums, okay? Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think, however... That, as to use your verb, gulagizing uh, is very much on their radar because if Australia can do it, and that's ostensibly a democracy, well, then we ought to seriously think about that as, as they rub their chins, uh, looking around the world as to what other countries and governments are doing, right? So let's continue on, actually. I want to continue on with this uh, crazy Biden speech. Uh, let's continue on. This is not about freedom or personal choice. Oh, boy. Oh, what a, what, okay. Thank you, President Asterix, for elucidating my point exactly at the right moment. Okay? That's exactly right. It is not about freedom or personal choice to him. Okay? To us, it is. It is exactly about freedom or personal choice. It is about, Freedom and personal choice is the, is the most paramount value we could possibly have in America. We talked about this in the beginning of the podcast, that... Uh, they have a sense that freedom and personal choice is something, uh, you know, that's a convenience. It's a luxury. We'll give it to you when everything is just perfect. When we reach a state of utopia, then we can revisit that. Okay, continuing yeah, on. If you will, a privilege, I mean a <clears throat> white privilege, is your freedom. It, it, yeah, that's true. Freedom is a privilege. Very good point. Um, they don't see it as a right anymore, and certainly not a God-given right. Let's continue on. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. The people you work with. Oh my God, now that I think about it, the people I work with, and I like them, and they like me. I, I never thought about that. The people I work with. The people you care about. People you love. Whoa, I didn't think about that. People I love and people I care about. I just didn't think about that before, Mr. Asterix. The people I hook up with on Tinder. Oh, my God. I wear, I wear a condom. I need to also be vaccinated and wear a mask for them. Okay, but you get the idea. I mean, the, yeah. the whole idea, like, as if he's telling you something like, oh, my gosh, I, if I only thought about the people I care about, maybe I... 
Well, you've really woken me up there. Thank you so much, President Biden. Okay, continue on with this nonsense. My job as president is to protect all Americans. So tonight... All right, so that, that's when he gets into the whole thing about I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impose a, uh, a mandate for all employers uh, that have at least 100 employees, et cetera, et cetera. But it's going to go down to 80, then 50, and 10 eventually, you know, because they have to get it perfect. They can't have a single incident of COVID. So therefore, they're going to do that. Um, and his, he said his, his precatory statement was, my job is to protect all Americans. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, because... I see that you're just protecting, you know, we, we can't have you protect just some Americans. I mean, that's, that's arguably what he's implying. So, therefore, he has to just kind of do a blanket, uh, over, overhauled, um, sweeping rule to the effect that everyone has to do this uh, vaccination business because, you know, he's protecting us all. And, and of course, there's no mention, is he protecting the previously recovered from COVID, the people with vaccine allergy sensitivities, the people who have vaccine uh, reactions? So what about us? It's no. All Americans becomes, it's like the, uh, with the uh, Muslim extremist definition of human being. Human beings are only those who are, have fidelity to Allah. Yeah. yeah All right? Exactly right? Only those who have shown the fidelity to Bill Gates's serum receive your protection. Okay, so that's a good point, Ari. I, I want to kind of parse this a little bit more because in this speech that we just played back, actually there were a couple of speeches, in this speech there were many things he wasn't saying, right? And Ari kind of uh, it was elliptical about alluding to it. Um, he kind of danced around the edges about it. But one of them was, and, it, and I thank you for bringing it up, Ari, that um, there's no talk about those who have already been infected with the COVID virus. Therefore, why should they have the vaccination? At no point does he bring that up. And why should the vaccinated, if, it, if it's such a great uh, system, why should they be wearing masks, right? It's, there's no, I don't know of any uh, place uh, in America, at least, where they say, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, if you haven't been, then please wear a mask, okay? So... And if they do, it's, it's a little odd. It's a little bit like the stars on Dars things with the Dr. Seuss, right? Um, they don't talk about uh, all the negative adverse reactions that we talked about, uh, the apparent correlations between somebody who's vaccinated and someone who dies only, in your, in your friend's case, six days later, God, you know, God rest his soul. Um, they don't talk about um, the, um, the lack of logic in so many of the different other things, that the, that the notion of the vaccination, those who are vaccinated shouldn't have to worry about those who are unvaccinated. Now, the only th argument that Biden makes now, and this is a very stretched argument, is that somehow the ICUs are, are over flooded with heart attack patients and, and uh, cancer patients, and they're prevented from going to the ICUs um, because of the vaccinated, the unvaccinated who are now clogging up the system, those bastards. Um, so without any examples whatsoever, I don't know of any hospital that, that is reporting this. You know, you, you, you have this vision in mind of uh, some doctor sweating with his eyebrows like, 
oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, there's so many unvaccinated people that I'm treating here that I just don't have time to take care of our regular patients who are suffering from heart attacks and strokes. What to do? Please, government, stop these monsters, these unvaccinated. Yeah, people in cots dead outside St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica on the street covered with flies like a scene out of Gone with the Wind ain't happening. And if there is a hospital capacity issue, well, what about the comfort and the mercy? What about the convention centers that like Javits and the L.A. Convention Center that Trump built. What about all the medical professionals being forced to quit their jobs or be fired because they're not ascribing to the vaccine mandates because they've been working the COVID cases for a year and a half. They have natural immunity and they know the vaccine could kill them. You know, you know on and on and on and on. It's, it's such cynicism. It's so disgusting. It so is the opposite of protecting every American. And one other quick thing, the speculation that you said is, you know, we're not the point of, say, the liquidation part of the gulag aspect, you know, the, the death camp part of the concentration camp. But you and I have been talking about, well, based on what this vaccine is, well, could the vaccine itself be that? There. The one thing we have not mentioned in literal terms in this episode is the longitudinal aspect of the vaccine, which is the vaccine is new. No one knows what it does to the human body after three years, five years, ten. Yeah, does it kill you then? Right. Exactly right. Look, I want to end uh, this podcast uh, with kind of following up from the beginning of our point, which is that this administration and all of his uh, surrounding uh, agents and uh, representatives and such, and his cabinet for that matter, and even his spokeswoman, they, they all are doubling down on this illegitimate presidency. They are acting just like the Joaquin uh, Phoenix character in Gladiator, where he needs to show who's boss over and over again, despite the lack of logic. And, and one of the other lack of logics is when Jen Psaki herself is, when she's questioned about, how it is that we require everyone to be vaccinated here because of those unvaccinated monsters that they are, uh, while at the same time uh, letting the, the illegal immigrants come into the country without being vetted whatsoever. And now, you know, now they're saying, no, we, we are ordering, the CDC is now ordering or whatever, some, somebody on behalf of the CDC is now ordering these illegal immigrants to receive ivermectin. Right, like you remember, this is the the uh, the worm, the de the, the dewormer, dewormer, the horse dewormer, right? So, so-called uh, dewormer. Th this is how insane it's gotten, right? But this is what you would expect from an illegitimate president. He's acting like an illegitimate president, and you know why? Because I think he knows that he's an illegitimate president, and so does all, so do all his cronies around him, so do all the elites around him. They know. This is Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.